Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking, Mike? We are going to smoke the CAO Black. Uh, it's a cigar that I've never had, and uh, it looks really good. It's a torpedo, and uh, yeah, we've had good luck with torpedoes. Yeah, and this one has a, a cedar wrapper on it. Yes, very good uh, shelf feel. All right, I'm lit. Me also. First few puffs, pretty good. Oh, yes. Yeah, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought we'd uh, talk about a wide range of topics, but kind of wanted to start with uh, tattoos. And what do you know about tattoos, Mike? <laughs> I know that I don't have any tattoos. Uh, I've never uh, felt the need to have one, I guess. Um, you know, once we get to 100,000 subscribers, I'll get a nice ashes tattoo. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I I also don't have any tattoos. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on them? Well, I've looked up the history of tattoos. There's been like famous tattoo enthusiasts in the past, okay. so mostly circus performers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they used to be associated with uh, the military and the navy. Uh, but I don't really have an yeah. opinion. Sarah has a couple tattoos. My Sarah does, and I, your Sarah does as well. And uh, I'm not against it um, by any means, but I've never felt the need to have one. Oh, yeah. Let's say that I was giving you the runaround there for a little bit. And we're going to talk about the legality of some of this stuff in a few moments. But I wanted to get your opinion on how old do you think people should be allowed to go get a tattoo? Ah, Well, that's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about it. We're kind of changing our legal restrictions on things for age when they raised yeah. the smoking age up to 21 i thought uh yeah. well that's interesting so if we're gonna say you can't smoke or drink until you're 21 you probably shouldn't be allowed to do a whole lot until you're 21 as far as dangerous things or permanent things including joining the military potentially driving a car yeah um possibly working full-time you know if we're gonna say yeah. that the age of majority is 21 then that needs to be consistent. Yeah, and you um, don't get to just pick and choose, right? Like you don't get to say, well, we could exploit them in the workforce uh, before that, but they can't do any of the fun things normal adults can do. Yeah, I agree with that because at least around here, if you're 14 or 15, you can't work past 9 o'clock at night, but you can work a 40-hour week. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, I don't know about that. And then once you're 16, I don't think there are any rules. Maybe it's not after midnight or something. It's okay. It's been a while since I was that age, so I can't yeah. remember the rules anymore. Yeah. Okay, so you think probably, you know, 18, 21. So we do have, I'm not sure if it's nationwide, but I think it's illegal uh, to tattoo a minor, anyone under 18, even with parental consent. Oh, really? The law is pretty strict. That's interesting. In that sense, uh, because the other thing that I wanted to ask about was, let's just go with the straight up general earlobe piercing. What age do you think somebody should be able allowed to get their ears pierced? Now, that is interesting because a lot of parents take their small children, uh, typically girls, to get their ears pierced. Uh, yes. And my ears are pierced, and I didn't get my ears pierced until I was 18. So, uh yep. You know, that's honestly, I would say that is probably should be 18 as well. If, if we're going to be consistent, you know what I mean? Yeah, if we're going to be consistent, I think 
I don't know. There's some different laws depending on the states for ear piercing. A lot of ear piercing places say they will not do ear piercing until the child can make an informed decision themselves, which I think a lot of them kind of have kind of agreed on maybe like eight and up. Um, there are sure. parents who do want their newborns, you know, to pierce their newborn's ears. Uh, and of course, that, I mean, that raises a whole bunch of different issues, but, you know, body autonomy is one of them because the infant doesn't have a choice. I guess kind of like circumcision in, in most cases. I would say that's very similar. I mean, it's not, I would say ear piercing isn't as dramatic, but it's similar. Well, it's similar. It's maybe not quite as dramatic as a, as a tattoo. Uh, or if you were talking about the circumcision. But I think that the piercings are a little less taboo socially or culturally than tattoos because a majority of women and a fair amount of men have ear piercings. And I don't think, I mean, depending on the types of earrings that you wear, I don't think anyone's ever said, look at that tacky person with their pierced ears, at least not in modern times. Right. Whereas people with tattoos, right. you know, you go to like a job interview or something or you try and wear long sleeves to cover them up or whatever you might do because they're not as socially acceptable. Although I think they're getting there. Uh, they're getting there. But uh, certainly if you're going for a professional job, you're going to want to uh, not have tattoos on your face or hands. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's similar. And it's similar, I think, with the earrings and like professional dress for men. If you're going to an interview, you know, you probably don't want really loud earrings, just like you wouldn't want a really loud tie for the, at least for the initial interview, right? You want to try and be a little more conservative just because you don't know the vibe of the place. Yeah. If you're a man, you probably want to pull your earrings out for the interview. Well, that too. And determine the culture before you, depending on how much you want the job, of course, but it's still not necessarily yes. acceptable for men to have earrings. Yeah. Um, which is whatever. It's just the way it is. But <laughs> yeah. So, what are you thinking about the black so far? The CAO black. Ah, it's good. Uh, not incredible, but very respectable. No, it's tasty. Uh, it's kind of right in the middle. I would say uh, not overly light and not overly dark. Yeah, it's it's a very good stick, but it's not like uh, we've had a few where they're exceptional from the very start. Yes. And this is uh, good, but it's not like. Yes. Insane. And, you know, it can still, it can change. It can get better. So uh, we'll see. Oh, sure. Now, sure, now sure. what what if you said, or what if I uh, told you, Mike, that I was merely trying to lure you in to a giant debate that we're about to have? Okay. About tattoos you, and would piercings. You, would you be excited? Or, uh, sure. I, I would like okay. also to mention, because I. Uh, thought about this that in many states you have to be 18 years old to be to tan in a tanning bed oh okay i didn't even think about that oh yes oh yes okay so here comes the bombshell a few days ago as of uh, our recording of this episode so this will be a couple weeks uh, weeks ago now for your listeners nebraska passed a ban on gender affirming surgery for minors I thought this is where it was going. <laughs> okay. I, I would have to know the details of that. To... And so, well, we're going to get into that. 
But I want to tread carefully here because we're not trying to make fun of transgender people and we're not trying to say that this surgery isn't needed. I'm trying to bring some some logic and rash, rationality into this because we have these other things, tattoos, ear piercings, tanning, that are all, I mean, I don't want to say like cosmetic and, and like minimize gender affirming surgery, but they are looked or, you know, like appearance based things uh, for the most part. And right. we've already said, you know, just like tattoos, it's illegal under under 18, even if your parent consents to it piercings there's not really a there's some laws in different states and things but it's really up to the the piercing shops and most of those have agreed that they won't do it if your child is too young to make a decision for themselves and you know and i know they they're trying to like extend that don't say gay bill in florida and everything but the the nebraska trans health bill some politicians were uh threatening to filibuster on it uh, but they voted to advance the bill that would ban gender affirming care for minors and let's see, I'm just, uh, I've got the article up here. So one person who's 29, 29 years old said uh, of them passing this, I am a ball of rage. I have had to go back to therapy when this bill was introduced. I know so many people, so many kids who will be hurt by this. And so there's some parents that were upset because uh, I guess they gave their child gender affirming surgery and they said, I know they would have killed themselves had they not had the surgery. Uh there's that's a big it's a very controversial topic and it's very complex. I would in general, I'm opposed to giving minors hormones or surgeries to change their appearance. Yes. Um mostly for consistency's uh, sake, you know, we as a society we kind of come up with the a few ages where we all kind of acknowledge that before that age that person can't really be held super accountable for their decisions because they're not really, they don't have enough information and experience to make those decisions for themselves. So if you can't drive a car or go into a tanning bed, why would you be allowed to uh, take hormones uh, that would alter your uh, natural body process or alter your appearance physically? Uh, like having a breast reduction or an implant or something. You know what I mean? It's not consistent. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, so I guess you could sit there and you can say that tattoos and ear piercings are, you know, purely optional. They're not things that really need to be done whereas you know, and and some of the people that were upset about this bill in Nebraska saying that if their child hadn't been able to get the gender reassignment surgery that they would have committed suicide you know so there's obviously a lot more like you said it's it's complex issue there's a lot more feelings and you know the core of your being like if you're not registering what you're were born as or presenting as i guess right like it, it's much more mental anguish than choosing whether or not to get a tattoo uh there is what we also I mean, you and I can acknowledge it, and even though I guess it's controversial, there is a certain amount of trans trending going on with young people at this point in time. Yeah. And a lot of people who have gender dysphoria through puberty no longer have it after they're done with me. So for those people, you're screwing them over if you allow them to start altering themselves, you know? Yeah. Delaying the gender-affirming surgeries and hormones... uh 
I guess to me, it's a cost-benefit analysis. Is it going to hurt more people than it helps by forcing them to wait until they're an adult to make an adult decision? Yeah. And, you know, I know there's other surgeries that people do for minors, right? Like, I don't know, wisdom teeth removal or tonsil removal or whatever. That's significantly different than uh, changing your physical appearance. Yes, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to argue that. I'm. I'm just trying to, you know, bring in kind of all sides. So it's not to say that surgery for minors is illegal, but there are things known as elective surgeries as well. Right. So I, I guess we'd have to look it up if, uh, if like cosmetic surgery. I would. I would doubt that that's legal for minors. I would hope it's not. You know, I would hope that you can't give a nose job to a 15 year old. Yeah, that doesn't seem. Rhinoplasty seems like something you should be an adult for. Probably even 21. Is there, I'm guessing that your bone structure is not done developing until at least then. Yeah. So I I guess I don't know. I, I've never had plastic surgery. So. Well, me either. Um, so you were just born an Adonis? I'm trying to look up the laws on. <laughs> oh, sure. The rhinoplasty. We have to be very careful. So, we we've edited yeah. out certain portions of this show before for we have and I reasons. and I felt like I really would like to talk about it, but I don't want it to be a yay or nay necessarily. You know, I I want to look at it in in line with some other things, and sure. I don't mean to I don't mean to be minimizing anything by kind of leading Mike on with the tattoos and the piercings, other than those are things that. People have experiences with yeah, yeah. and uh, and there's some yeah uh, experience. There's some what do you call it when there's like a, a vast vast batch of knowledge, um, right? And I haven't read the bill. I did hear something about it. A lot of times these uh, these bills, in my opinion, go too far with the rules. You know, it's not just. Before you're 18, you're not allowed to have gender reassigning surgery. They add addendums to it that makes them cross the line into crazy town. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that's well, the case. Well, I think that's maybe the the big problem. So uh, it looks like minors can get plastic surgery in the United States, uh, but parental consent may be, may be uh, required. And so it looks like uh, parental consent is required for patients under 18. Sure. And there's so, a big difference between repairing a cleft palate or something of that nature. And uh Yeah, yeah. And and I and I guess to be fair, like I don't know what they're defining plastic surgery as, you know. Mm-hmm. Um if they want a I don't even know all the terms. If they want what do they do when they inject the forehead to tighten it up or something? Like if they want that kind of stuff, it's probably different than if they're repairing a cleft palate or some kind of other accident. Right. I could see somebody getting into an accident and having to have a nose reconstruction, you know, if you're in a bad car accident or something or a s- snowboarding fall, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, things that yeah. can happen where I could see. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like I say, if you can't, if, if, if we as a society have agreed that you're, you're not even mentally aware enough to be able to tan, tan responsibly when you're 17, yeah, then we've really said that 17 year olds are not capable of making decisions for themselves, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and that's not to say that, um, like, I don't know, because it's weird. I was kind of opposed to the smoking age moving to 21. 
And I would have been more in favor of, let's just say, the drinking age moving down to 18. Sure. Um, and just, ha- you know, the voting age and the drinking age and that stuff, like, just all the same age. Or make everything 16 or make everything 18. You can't drive till you're 18 or something. You know, like, I don't know what, but. Right. I, I happen to be a fan know. of that as well. Uh, I know that the there's been interviews that I've watched with military commanders. And they've asked these guys, you know, what would happen if they raised the minimum military age to 21. And almost universally, they say that uh, there wouldn't be a modern army if they had to recruit 21 and above. Yeah. So, and you can be 17 and join the military. You just have to have parental permission. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm having some pretty serious draw issues on my cigar here. Really? I am not at all. Mine's drawing fine, tastes fine. Um, Like I say, it's not crazy good, but it's good. Yeah. We've been spoiled. I've been spoiled the last couple cigars that I've smoked. <laughs> yeah, mine is very like cloggy, and I took a little bit more off the off the end, but that wasn't it either. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, I'm getting hardly any smoke in my mouth uh, from this one. Really, and the ends really lit well. Yeah. Huh. I think I'm forcing. I think I'm forcing through it now. I don't know if there was just like a tight a little tight spot. Yeah, mine's Maybe. fine. It's still not a terribly great draw, but I'll work through it for you, the listeners. Yes. Yes. Friday night, I smoked a, a Protagus Black and a CAO Moon Trance. Okay. So those are pretty good cigars. I like both of those. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, like I say, I was I was spoiled the last two that I had. But like I say, it's good. I'm pairing it with water this evening. For our I was debating water, here. but... I uh, decided to go with the powdered dry IPA, uh, double dry hopped from Sierra Nevada. I did a fair bit of drinking uh, last night with uh, our main man Dev, and uh, he always appreciates these shout outs. So I'm sure the Wednesday that this episode drops, I'll I'll get a little texty poo from Dev. Nice. Yeah, I had people over on Friday night. Uh, okay. And. Uh, Let's just say that my my friend was drinking bush lights, and I found two of them in my driveway, full. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and on the ground. There you go. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> so let's go back to this age for gender affirming surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm not. A, I'm not. I guess I'm not opposed to it uh, taking place. Uh, you know, like I'm opposed to child beauty pageants, but they still happen and, uh, people aren't arrested. But, uh, I think that, you know, it can't, it can't be done lightly and it's more uh, until they're 18. It's, it would have to be more so on the parents, right? But there's so many parents that don't even talk to their kids hardly, you know? Right. And children are very susceptible to manipulation. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to attack anybody. But some adults uh, definitely have a agenda, either for or against the LGBT community, and they're both committed to that ideology. And I think that they would easily manipulate a child into uh, doing things that they otherwise would not do without that influence. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I so mean, and I like feel the, like. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like even when you and I first met, I think I was like 25 or maybe a little, oh, I was probably a little younger than that. I don't know. But I feel like I didn't really kind of get a hold of myself until maybe about 25. Sure. You know what I mean? And uh, 
everybody's different. Everybody's different. And, you know, if, if somebody's transgender and the parents know that they're just absolutely miserable, I think there needs to be some sort of legal way to, to get the surgery done in extreme cases, right? Uh, regardless of if there's a, a ban under 18. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there would have to be some sort of exception process because I wouldn't. And and normally I'm more of a fan of the government leaving people alone and letting people do what they want to do. And I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's better to let anyone who wants gender affirming surgery to do it. And if they were just following a trend, I guess that's a good lesson they learned. And if they weren't, then they were able to take care of their life and feel comfortable finally for the first time. You know, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I can only imagine though, that any, any minor that gets the surgery and then later decide, decided it was a trend probably has some good legal recourse against the doctor who performed the surgery, possibly. Well, they're definitely going to have some scarring, potential infertility issues, uh, that they're going to deal with for the rest of their life. Um, when it comes to adults, I think that adults should be able to do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting anybody else. So yeah, that's a pretty easy line in the sand for me to draw. But like I say, the issue becomes when you're under the age of majority, which we don't have yes. a clear age of majority in the United States, but if you're under the age of majority, you're not you're not responsible for your own actions. Largely, you know, you don't have the same legal yeah. repercussions if you commit crimes. You don't have the yeah, same. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's strange when minors commit crimes because it kind of depends on the severity of the crime if they choose to try them as an adult. Yeah, yeah. And the more serious the crime, the more likely it is they'll get charged as an adult. And of course, the closer to adulthood, I guess in that case, which would be eighteen, they are the more likely they are to be, be tried as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, if you're 15 and you have three felonies, your third felony is probably going to be charged as an adult. Uh, yeah, and there are 15 year olds that have three felonies, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, you know, I, I it's it's a very sensitive issue. But I mean, I've talked with 15 year olds. I don't think a 15 year old is capable of making a decision for himself. Yeah, at least not the ones that I've talked to. Recently, well, I mean, they can decide like what roller coaster to ride at the amusement park, but right, and, and, little, and everybody I'm, I'm does serious decisions. <laughs> no, I know, and I, and I also know people mature at different different rates, and it kind of depends on your parenting and how they how you're being interacted with by adults too. Um, I know that right. I felt like, I mean, it's tough because when you're when I was in high school, I was like, why do I have to listen to all these adults? Um, you know, like I was a good student and got good grades and everything. It was just kind of like I'm ready for people to th- take me seriously, which it's tough because like looking back now, I'm like, okay, okay, 15-year-old me. <laughs> yeah, you had your shit together then, not, uh, you know, but I don't know. Like on one hand, it's like, why not treat people like adults? Um but again, you know, like you're not going to let a 12-year-old be a guest on our podcast and smoke down a cigar and drink scotch, you know. So like you said, there's <laughs> right. like adults should be able to do whatever they want, but we have laws in place to kind of protect children from, uh, you know, I don't know if it's really harm. I guess it's harm because I know drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, 
uh, cigarette smoking or vaping all have kind of developmental consequences if you do them when your body is still developing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, to, to an excess, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure if you take one puff off of a joint or something, you're not going to be irreparably damaged, but... Yeah, if you, if a child starts smoking marijuana at nine years old, there's probably going to be some serious consequences. Regularly yeah. consumes marijuana. Yes, and I well, I think marijuana should be legal. I think every drug should be legal. If people want to destroy their own lives, that's their right. But that's the right as an adult, not as a yeah. Minor. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I feel I think all all that stuff should be legal. I think the biggest thing that uh, isn't said a lot of these people. I would venture to guess, I would bet money that a lot of a lot of the supporters of this bill in Nebraska would prefer just to ban transgendered people in the state of Nebraska, period. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that most of these bills one way or the other are too far. Like they're both like t- totalitarian. Like either either way you go, or or ones like totalitarian and ones like hey free love for all or something like that. Like everybody can you want you want uh, gender affirming surgery? Go get it. Everybody can have it. And the other one is like nobody can have gender reassignment surgery at all. We hate people that aren't their genders that they were born with. And right. you know that's what I mean. There's got to be a middle ground because there are people that legitimately struggle with this. And you know I would I would go so far to say this need this surgery. Well, it's generally accepted that for people with gender dysphoria, the only known treatment is to go through a transition. Um, yeah, because not doing so has pretty serious mental health consequences for those people. Yes, uh, and that's accepted by the majority of educated people. I think. Yeah, but I th- and that's what I mean. I think we need to have a law that can protect people that are following a fad while still serving those people that legitimately need it. We're so early in this uh, current trend or current awareness that even bringing up the concept that some of this is a fad is considered offensive by some. Uh, yeah, and I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. I mean, it's an awfully expensive thing to be a fad. You know, just surgery, healthcare in our country, you know, and any kind of surgery to be a fad, regardless of what it is, is an awfully expensive fad, in my opinion. But, you know, like you were saying, that the, the children are very impressionable, and puberty is a very confusing time for everyone, at least if I'm recalling correctly. So uh, Yeah, there's a lot of changes, and you're just basically just starting to become a conscious, conscientious person, and it's a definitely a interesting time in everybody's life, I would think. Uh, this whole transgendered thing is really, uh, it's only something that middle class people worry about. You know, if you're super poor, this is not on your radar. You know, I bet you there's not nearly the same percentages of transgender people in uh, Appalachia or the inner city as there is in the suburbs. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of a trend uh, in the affluent communities. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of goes back to our Amish episode, right? When I was asking if there were homosexual Amish people. Mm-hmm. And you said no because they didn't know about it. But I feel that there's – so let's just – let's go with like legit cases. There's probably the same percentage of legit cases all over the place and there probably has been throughout history. 
It's just we don't have the data to support it. You know what I mean? I would agree with and, that. I would assume that that's the case. Yeah. And so people in Appalachia or wherever might not know what it's called, but they might be like, hey, that person dresses kind of like mannish, but they were born a girl. And then it's just kind of like left at that, you know, because there's not much else that they can do. Or maybe they maybe they don't get to do anything and they commit suicide and nobody knows that it was because of gender dysmorphia. So, sure. I, you know, I don't know. I think it's I think it, I think it's tough to try and make kind of bold statements about it, because certainly there were homosexuals before uh, same sex marriage passed in, in the <laughs> legislation. You know what I mean? And there were black people before desegregation happened. So, I mean, it's kind of it's hard to measure some of that stuff. It's extremely difficult to measure. Um, this is not an aside, but it kind of is. I feel really bad for uh, the tomboys and metrosexuals, uh, which are kind of the same thing, but one's a man and one's a woman, you know? Because I yeah. see a lot of women, especially who are in their 50s, who are heterosexual, but who are tomboys. And the same with men. You see these men that are pretty flamboyant dressers, but they're with women. So... I think that the young, those people are, they're old enough to where none of this crap is going to affect them. But if you're yeah. 14 and you're uh, a tomboy, I bet you it's a pretty confusing time to be uh, growing up as a teenager right now. Yeah. You know, I, I know at least where I went to school, it was always like a stereotype that the softball players who were girls were lesbians. And that certainly oh, yeah. there wasn't 35 lesbians on that field. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, it depends, depends on what, uh, what movies you're watching, but uh, probably not. No, not in my town. I'm sure, I'm sure there <laughs> were a few lesbians on the team, but <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't even remember who was a yeah. softball player. But <laughs> well, and I'm sure the same is true for any sport, whether it's male or female. You know, there's just a fact of life. Right, right. That was the joke, though. Oh, yeah, they're all lesbians. No, yeah, I don't I get know why. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They might, maybe they were a little bit more muscular. I heard all male bowlers were non-transitioning lesbians. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> that is correct. So I don't want to, like, crimp your, crimp your style and everything, but for the life of me, I can't get this cigar to draw. Really? You know, like gosh, it's lit. It. I'm having a grand old time it's, with this uh, thing. Yeah, I just I puff and I puff and I puff and I don't get any smoke in my mouth, and it's you know it's lit and smoking on the other end. Do you have a poker to poke like a pipe tool? No, I've I've got. Uh, well, I'm looking at. I, I hung some more pegboard in my garage today, and I'm looking at all my tools uh, arrayed out on the on the thing here. But the smallest thing I would have is is kind of like. A screwdriver, but I think that's a little bit too big. Ooh, yeah, maybe I have depending a nail. on the size of the screwdriver. Maybe if you had a like a maybe double I, lock. Maybe I have a nail. Uh, yeah, a small small nail. I've got like some a, big nails. Uh, we grow them big here. I see. I see. No finish nails for Nate. All trim is put up with sixteen penny. If yeah, if you can't if you can't feel it going in, what's the point? <laughs> I don't know. I got a really long screw that's like gross and icky. I don't know if I want to do that. I'll keep looking. You get. Uh, you guys keep talking. Yes. Yes. Vamp. Vamp. <laughs> oh wait, here we go. I've got some uh, bright wire nails, one inch. I'll try that. Nice. Give it a shot at least. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. So, like, my humidity in the humidor was a little bit higher than it normally is, but I don't know if that's really going to... Oh, man, whatever. That nail did the trick, I think. Hopefully so. Oh, there we go. I guess it was just really tight down at the torpedo end, uh, and I've heard that before. Yeah, so uh, I've seen guys have to pull. <laughs> it's so tight at the torpedo end. Yes, yes. So when I was in college, I knew one transgendered woman uh, who was going through this teaching program at the same time. Okay. And uh, this person would dress, go to class as a man, and then go to these conferences and big events as a woman. It was always interesting. And then they would pretend like they weren't the other person, seemingly. You know what I mean? Because I talked yeah. to the person when in class when they were being when dressing and acting like a man, but at these things I would sit at the same table and they wouldn't talk to me. Okay, that's a little strange. It was really weird, and a really nice person. Uh, uh, I got along well with them. Uh, well, just interesting behavior. You know, I had people. I'm sure that it, this was in the mid 2000s. I'm sure that it was a very tough. Uh, thing to do for them at that time uh especially yeah. in like not a major city <laughs> it was a, a, a large yeah, area sure. but it wasn't like chicago or something yeah but i don't remember anybody being transgender when i was in high school uh yeah i don't i don't uh i don't really keep up with my high school classmates but i don't think i heard of anyone being transgender uh from there but i graduated with 89 people so Right. I'm sure that there's at least one transgender person that was there. They just wasn't, they weren't open about it in high school, or if they were, I didn't know them. Yeah. Which, and I mean, whatever. you know, they might not have been. So like for me, they might, they might have been there when I was there, but they might not have been in my grade. Right. Right. We had open homosexuals. Uh, and uh, your Sarah and I were talking about this. This was like right after September 11th, and there was not a lot of bullying going on at that time. It was very discouraged with yeah. all the school shootings and stuff that were going on. It was really frowned on. Uh, from what I gather, bullying is becoming a bigger issue in high schools now. Okay. Um, which is weird. Uh, I talked to my nieces and nephews, and they're around that age. And apparently bullying is back uh, in a way that it wasn't when I was in school. It okay. just wasn't considered a cool thing to do or, in you know, it wasn't socially acceptable amongst my peer group, at least. So, well, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. No. But that kind of goes back to our thing where, you know, and I mean, so bullying happens at all ages, um, but just at work, you know, it's just called being insubordinate if your boss is bullying you, you know, so then it's your fault. And I guess usually with bullying, people try and blame the victim more so than the bully. I don't know. I don't know that we really had bullies in our high I'm sure we did in our high school, but like I said, it's a small class and I don't know. Yeah. When I was an apprentice, that was like a pretty standard practice uh, to make first through third year apprentices have a pretty difficult time at their job. But it's all part yeah, of the process. Yeah, and I think hazing oh, is different. Yeah. It's a lot of hazing and... Um, Causing stress on purpose because uh, until you hit yeah. like your fourth or fifth year, you're not really allowed to work with live electricity, and that's extremely stressful. So they want to weed people out that can't handle pressure and stress uh, because yeah. they're dangerous to themselves and to other people. And yeah. uh, you just got to get rid of them, unfortunately. It's not a very nice way to look at it, but it's the truth. 
Well, and, and you know what? That happens in, in a lot more jobs than people want to admit. Uh, because a lot of jobs have like probationary periods, even even if you're not working with, you know, live electricity or lions and tigers or whatever it might be. But a lot of jobs have kind of those probationary periods where, yeah, maybe you interviewed well and you had good references, but maybe you just can't you just can't cut it, you know. And so that's why they have those probationary periods, because it's pretty much like you don't get a lot of the benefits or have a lot of the right. protections. So if you fuck up. They can say bye-bye. Yeah, and they, certain professions are going to have a higher failure rate than others, you know. Yeah. Uh, by design. Uh, that's not a bad thing, really. Unless you're one of the people that yeah. failed. But then, yeah, you know, you got to be resilient, find something else to do. Well, yeah, and no. that's the other thing that I wanted to mention about miners and piercing tattoos and surgeries and other things. Because we're really, I'm really not trying to single out transgender. Um, part of life is that you can't always get what you want right away. You know what I mean? Yes. And it could be a toddler in a, in a toy store who wants all the toys. Not, not our toddler, but you know what I mean? Like there's things that we have very grown up discussions about (laughs) with our toddler. No, you can't do that. Why? You know, uh, so yeah, very well rationalized, thought out arguments from her. You know, I mean, it's, uh, delayed gratification is definitely kind of like a thing in life, you know, and it's tough with social media and like TikToks and kind of like the instant, instant messaging and instant stuff and, and all the time. And I, I started, re- I started reading. I read a couple books uh, recently, and I don't know if they really kind of fit here, but I'm going to see if you've heard of either of them. And one was uh, really short. It took me like an hour to read it, but it was uh, Gifts from the Sea by Charles Charles Lindbergh's wife. Uh, I can't remember what her name is off the top of my head right now. Mrs. Lindbergh. Mrs. Lindbergh. And I'm not <laughs> trying. And I know, so like this is a terrible time for me to space on her name. Uh, especially when we're talking about trans and now I'm like, yeah, her, uh, yeah, the author is, uh, well, I have to define her by her husband, who's a man who I remember and not what her actual name is. Right. So I apologize. That was not my intent. I'm guessing she's not from Little Falls, Minnesota. (laughs) Probably not. She's a fairly prolific author. Okay. Uh, but basically she was, uh, and and they were living or she was living, I think they were living in uh, New York or just outside of New York city. And she went to this like beach house for, I don't know, a week or a month or something. And she was basically just talking about how like there's all these like societal pressures on her kind of just as a woman or an adult. And, you know, like, hey, we've got like, I got friends, but when I go hang out with my friends, like we've only got limited time to hang out. So we're always just talking and we're not just like quiet with each other. You know what I mean? And just kind of like using her vacation at the beach to kind of, like what you said, you know, you need to go out in the woods and be alone for a little bit. That's where you get your thinking done, you know, or that's where you can be introspective. And so it was very, very interesting. And I really enjoyed the book. It was really good, you know. And so like going out there, but she's talking about all these different pressures and all of this stuff. And so, you know, thinking about 
you know, emails now at work are like, if you don't respond to the email within five minutes and it's like, no, that's what the chat is for. That's what the messaging is for. You don't email me and expect me to get back to you. We talked about this on a previous episode where you're like, I check my email like once or twice a day. And then I'm also reading the dawn of everything, which I guess is kind of like the counterpoint or different train of thought as uh, the book Sapiens, which I have, but haven't started to read yet. But they're going through and kind of um, a lot of these anthrop- anthropologists are trying to figure out where like inequality came from, right? And so the dawn of everything is trying to focus on American societies before Europe- Europeanization, which is a term, I think, right? Colonialism. Yeah, something like that. And basically, it's interesting. And I don't, you know, like I'm not a historian and I'm not an anthropologist, but it's fascinating because they're talking about the French you know, in like, I don't know, 17-something, came over and they're talking to the the Wendats and the Algonquins. And they're like, we're so much better than you and we've got all this stuff. And they're like, wait, so you're, you take all your orders from a king? Like, our chief can't even tell us what to do. If we don't want to do it, we just don't do it, you know? And so it was kind of like, and the women were not, they were, I guess, sexually liberated in the tribes, um, some of the tribes anyway where they could kind of choose, until they got married anyway, um, they could kind of like do whatever they wanted with whoever they wanted uh, until they were married. But, you know, I don't know. It was kind of interesting because they're, they're the, the native tribes were like, we don't have to follow that kind of, you know, I, don't, I can't remember the word for it, but the, uh, like the rule of just somebody who's different than you, you know, like a monarch or whatever. And... You know, and I guess the concept of having having beggars in France was like mind blowing to these tribes because they kind of take care of their own. I mean, certainly there were some tribes members that were kind of, you know, heavy air quotes, more wealthy than others or had more status or had more whatever, but everybody ate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I, this is very loosely related, but... Uh... In the United States, we're, at least in the dialogue, people are obsessed with freedom, you know? And uh, it's kind of humorous because most people spend the majority of their life working. And during my work hours, I'm not free to do what I want to do. Like, I'm a cog in the machine, just like everybody else. Like, I have very little autonomy. I mean, my job's a little different where I do have a lot of autonomy in how I do things. But I'm always responding yeah. to emergencies, so I do have to go and take care of this stuff. You know, I don't really have the choice yeah. to just slough it off and do whatever I want. <laughs> I mean, you you have a you have autonomy in some in some sense. You know, uh, same with me. You know, like I'm salaried and I work from home, so there's but there's stuff that I have to do, regardless of how stupid I think it is to have to do it. Yeah, and there's a lot of people. You know, we have not unique jobs, but we have good careers going on that a lot of people don't have any autonomy at their work. If you're working on an assembly line or something. Yeah. Or a call center uh, or a call center or for Amazon or Elon Musk. If you're one of those those two employees that are still left. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, there's a plenty of horror stories about American manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, Not necessarily manufacturing as it is like the assembly line type work. Yeah. Or if you had to work in an office under your supervisor directly all the time, I imagine that it's not very liberating. That's not fun. 
No. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's so much obsession with freedom is because people aren't free for the most part. <laughs> well, and that know? was kind of the interesting point about uh, at least this these few chapters I've read in The Dawn of Everything where the French thought they were more free than the native tribes, but they really weren't in comparison. I mean, the French had more, I get, let's say, like te- technological advances. I don't think... And you, you, did any of the native tribes have like written words? Like, I don't think so. And uh, well, no, that's not true because the Aztecs and the Mayans, yeah, they did. Yep, yeah, they, yeah, they did. But, um, but like the North American tribes, I don't know if they really had written stuff, or maybe they had kind of like hieroglyphs or something. Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think that uh, what the heck they call them, like the Mississippian civilization. That predated colonialization. I think they might have had written records. Okay. Um, I think the Navajo might have had written records, but they were more of a farming type uh, society. Okay. They yeah. Hunter gatherers. The some of the Mississippian culture. They were uh, farmers. Okay. Because that was the interesting um, thing. Is like the French were saying that they were free and they wanted the native native tribes to be free, and the native tribes are like, y- you guys aren't free. Like you tell me about this king all the time and like all these things you have to do and you're like obligations and that's not freedom. Like somebody, if the chief tells me to go like kill an elk, if I don't feel like it, I'm just like, nah, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I do what I want. It's interesting. So, yeah, it's, I, this is a total tangent, but uh, writing systems usually come about when you have to take uh, stock of surpluses and grains and things like that. So the numbering system comes about, okay, yeah, and then the writing system comes about so that you could say, you know, I have so many bushels of wheat stored. But especially you know, if you have like debts, that. you need writing, right? Debt and taxes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those are the first. Well, this is years ago when I was learning about like the ancient Near East, but the first written records that we had, at least then, were uh, tax reports. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So I guess government hasn't changed for, no, you know, 7,000 years. And there's, I mean, there's a fair <laughs> amount of uh, writing down the the spoken word stories, you know, that have passed down orally through generations, you know, as a way of like preserving them. But it's interesting because as soon as you start writing, you kind of lose the oral tradition as like a side effect. Oh, of course. Of course. The uh, Navajo claim that they still have a active oral tradition with a lot of their ceremonies. Oh, okay. Uh, that resulted from uh, the persecution by the Catholics, uh, the, the Spanish Catholics down there. And of course, there's no way to verify that because they're not sharing that information with outside of their cultural. Yeah. Group. So we have to take it on their word, which there's no reason to believe it. Well, yeah, and there'd be no re- <laughs> there no way to check. Like you're not going to infiltrate <laughs> the their ceremonies. No, things, no, we're not going to infiltrate the Navajo. The Navajo. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I don't know, but I mean, if they're doing that, then that's cool. Like that's uh, that's neat. I I sometimes wonder, like, if we still did like the oral traditions, maybe we wouldn't have like the Star Wars sequel trilogy be so bad. Writing wise, oh, but yeah, we were talking about that, my buddies and I here. And uh, if they would have brought back Darth Jar Jar movie nine, yeah, I yeah, forgiven, yeah, I would have forgiven them all their sins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're gonna fuck it up, just fuck it up hard and don't be ashamed. So, but well, it's not even fucking it up. Darth Jar Jar's, you know, 
He's a, he's, awesome. a fav- he's a fan <laughs> favorite theory, we'll say. He is. But, he is. He's of mine for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you at in your in your stick? I got two inches left or so. Okay, I probably I've got like four inches left, but I was fighting it for a long time, and I still am kind of poking it every once in a while to keep it loose. It's I don't know, man. It's just this one this one stick is is not very good draw wise. It tastes fine. Um, sure. Well, maybe we'll have to redo it. I think I have more of these. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know if it's like I'm not saying it's not good enough to smoke again, but it it'd be one where it'd be like I'll smoke it again, but probably not on the show. Sure. You know, and I and understand that there's a lot of, you know, manufacturing variances and, and maybe because my humidor is running a little little higher than it normally does, humidity wise, it's contributing. Um but, you know, torpedoes, like you know, if you said, you know, a lot of people need to poke the torpedoes, maybe I'm just not aware of that. So Oh, I've seen them I've seen people do it. I don't know if it's necessary. I've, ne- I've never had to I've never had that much of an issue myself. Yeah, and this one was fine for the first, I think, third. The first third, it was... But then about, you know, a third of the way in, I was getting no smoke in my mouth, and it was... And I'm not... And I'm not... I'm not not stressed, and I'm not, like, clamping down with my teeth. Like, there's not bite marks in the stick, so... It's not... I'm not smoking it incorrectly, as as far as I know. Mine's actually... uh, No, I have, like, two inches left. It's getting a little sour. Okay. Um... Which is to be expected because it's it was a fairly long stick. I think we had six, six inches. I think they were toros. Yeah, and uh, they're a fairly narrow gauge. Yeah, uh, maybe a fifty-four. It looks like just I don't know the actual uh, stats for anybody who's wondering. I did not look it up. I'm just guessing from experience. Yep, and that has a tendency to get a little sour. Oh, there we go. Now it's not sour. I let it sit for oh, okay a couple of minutes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean so. it's interesting. Like the concept of freedom. And I think it, I think it, we can tie it back and I think it'll make sense. Uh, it could just be reaching and stretching on our part, but you know, the concept of freedom and what you're allowed to do or what freedom means to you, you know, and if you're a fan of Team America, uh, freedom costs a buck oh five, uh, but probably now with inflation, like 350, but. <laughs> You know, it's like you want everybody to be free. You want everybody to be have freedom and be happy. And no, you and I want that. I think a lot of people say they want yeah, freedom for them, but and nobody they else. They don't really mean that. They want exactly, exactly. You know, I want people to be free to do what they want as long as what they want isn't hurting other people. Well, yeah, and and um, and other people are like, I want everybody to be free as long as their their view of freedom is the same as as mine. And that's just not freedom, you know, and you and I want people to be free. We've talked about this and by and large, I don't, I don't care what people do. You know, if you want to do really hard and dangerous drugs, that's on you. You want to drive a 2004 mostly rusted out Honda Civic that you're trying to get to 400,000 miles. uh, That's on me. I mean, you, um, Yeah, I mean, if you want to go backpacking and not bring any water and try to survive using a filter yeah. uh, and river water, that's your choice. As but, long as you know. you're of the age of majority. Right, right. I went winter camping and stuff before I was 18. Oh, well, so did pretty I, but I went with, you know, like other adults <laughs> in the Boy Scouts. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, no. me, my, I, I went camping with like my other okay. teenage friends, okay, like yeah. idiots. 
easily could have froze to death. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't bringing a wall tent and a heater like I do now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's kind of the thing, man. Like I've done so much camping uh, for being in Boy Scouts since first grade. That when somebody's like, do you want to go camping? Like, you're good at it, right? You're an Eagle Scout. And I'm like, well, I'm an Eagle Scout and I'm good at camping, but I'd really rather just stay in a hotel where I can get a shower and, and you know, like the continental breakfast or whatever. I don't really need to be out in the woods camping. The, the term good at camping, is that said by people who don't know or who aren't, who haven't gone camping? I mean, how do you be bad at camping? Oh, you can be really terrible at camping. <laughs> Let me tell you the ways. Uh, you can put the rain fly on the wrong way or just decide you don't need a rain fly. You can put your ground tarp on the wrong way so all the dew collects underneath your tent and you wake up in an inch of water. You can decide not to stake down your tent. You can put your tent in a dangerous location. You can not know how to start a fire. You cannot bring the appropriate supplies that you need to take care of yourself while camping. And then you have to rely on said Eagle Scout to bail you out of whatever situation you got yourself into. So... There's lots of ways to be bad at camping. And, you know, like, I, guess, I, I mean, still enjoy uh, camping. We went to a big concert and we forgot our rain fly and I had to go buy a big ass tarp. Okay. But, yeah, we thought, I thought it was in the bag with the tent. But you at least it knew it was missing and you needed it. So that's not, that's not the yeah. same oh, as yeah. being bad at camping. <laughs> but you could, you could be bad at camping. You can be bad at a lot of things. Uh, and I'm bad at a lot of things too. And I still enjoy camping, but I enjoy more being able to bring everything that I want to bring and like sure. a little bit more modern stuff. I mean, I love, I bought a, a Dutch oven, you know, and I just love cooking in, in that thing and just making food, but it takes a long time to cook in there. And, uh, but it's really good food and it's easy cleanup and whatever. And, and like sitting around the campfire and, you know, but it's kind of like the weather has to be good and I don't really want to go camp and if it's going to be raining the whole time. And I don't know, I guess I've done so much camping. I'm kind of like a curmudgeon about camping now where it's like, yeah, I could, sure. but I mean, it's fun. It's fun if you have the right people to go with, I guess, is more so. It certainly is. I know that uh, I hate camping in the rain, and but I still go paddle fishing every year and it rains or snows yeah. or both every fucking year. Yep. And it's miserable every time. <laughs> yeah, don't get stuck someplace without your tent. I can tell you that. I had to do that one year. Okay, I sleep on the floor of somebody else's tent. Yep, <laughs> that was that was no fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I wouldn't call that bad at camping. That was just bad at uh, being stuck. Yeah, uh, on an island. Well, there's always <laughs> those circumstances that come up, and even no matter how much you try and prepare. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get caught some at one point in something that was not ideal, and yeah, the one thing that I need to get yet is decent sleeping because as a kid I could sleep on like a one inch inflatable air mattress, but now I'm kind of like I need something comfortable to sleep on. So mm -hmm. when camping, but we've got a nice big tent. Yeah, we have a huge tent. We can fit a queen size bed in it. And nightstands. Yeah. And see, that's so, like... And that's important. You didn't you didn't go to scout camp with a queen-size bed and nightstands. There would have been all sorts of, uh, let's just say, bullying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Boy Scouts were bullies in, uh, in uh, allegedly in Wisconsin. <laughs> I think they're bullies everywhere. I mean, not, I'm not, I don't mean it, you know, like in a super mean way, but 
you certainly would have gotten some jokes thrown your way if you were like, well, okay, so like, can, can somebody help me carry my nightstands into my tent? And, then, and people would be like, what? But, you know, like for scout camp, we slept in uh, canvas A-frame tents, you know, and there was no floor. They were, you know, old military style. And so you had to kind of pack all of your stuff. You'd get one of those totes from like Walmart or Target or something. And you'd pack all your stuff in there because it was a dirt floor and you were sleeping on the army cots also made out of canvas. And when it would rain, the water would like run through your tent like a river. So if you packed a duffel bag, all your stuff's wet, you know. So you're not really bringing a queen size bed and nightstands to that. <laughs> That's when Sarah and I go together. <laughs> yeah. This year we're gonna go minimalistic and I'm gonna sleep in a uh sleep in a hammock. Okay. Uh for paddle fishing. Oh yeah. And uh we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I got all the underquilt and the good sleeping bag and Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, insulated pad and all that sort of junk. Yep. So that uh when it gets down to zero I'm not gonna freeze to death. That's the biggest goal. Yep. <laughs> Might not be comfortable, but I won't die. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So we'll see. It'll probably end up being 65 degrees and sunny and beautiful the whole time. Oh, well, that's the hope. That is the <laughs> well, hope. That is the hope. Yep, yep. <laughs> so. so I have about an inch left. Uh, it's not burning my fingers, but yeah. you're not enjoying your cigar anymore. So Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's fine. It's, you know, I've been poking it. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's so tight. It's so tight. Um it's so tight. Yeah, so for those of our listeners who might fall asleep listening to us, I hope you wake up when I'm like, so tight. Um, <laughs> it's a shout out to the comment section. But anyway, <laughs> that, that we don't even have. That we don't even have. But, <laughs> you know, maybe we will at some point. Maybe we will find a way to interact with some of you out there. Uh, I hope that... You haven't been enraged by our topic choice this episode. Like Mike and I, uh, I I mean, like Mike and I said, we want everybody to be free to make their own decisions with the understanding that at certain ages, bigger decisions aren't necessarily the forte of young people. But I, I, I really do. I feel like there needs to be some protection for youth and there needs to be a logical exception to the main rule where it is necessary because, you know, and you and I both said it, like it's necessary. Like that's the only cure for the gender dysmorphia. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Have fun.